Thanks for checking out the Power Place audio podcast. The Power Place exists to help you encounter the Lord's presence daily, to empower you with His Spirit and His Word so that you can engage your world. Here at the Power Place, we believe the Bible from cover to cover. And our prayer is that as you listen, the absolute truth of God's Word would bring complete freedom to every area of your life. I was mowing my lawn yesterday, and, and uh, how many love that the grass just continues to grow? It's a blessing from God. Luke Reynolds was in my backyard with the uh, kids' pool party. And he noticed all the clover, I guess it is. I don't know. It's taken over my yard. He said, Scott's weed and feed. I said, yeah, but that makes it grow. (laughs) Christy always wants to kill the weeds and make the grass grow. I'm like, but that means I got to mow more. (laughs) It's a love-hate relationship with my yard. But as I was mowing, the, the, the scripture kept going over my mind. And I, I said, what is that? Because what I kept hearing was patient in suffering. Because we're always asking the Lord to take it away. Remove this from me. Whatever you're going through, many of you go through things on a daily basis. And you, you keep saying, God, take it away, take it away, take it away. And the Lord reminded me, and so I looked it up, found it in Romans chapter 12, verse 12. He says, be joyful in hope. Why do you have to be joyful in hope? Because if you're hoping for something, you don't have it yet. So stay joyful. Be joyful in that which you're hoping for. You don't have it yet, but it's coming. He never fails. Be joyful in hope. Patient. Somebody say patient. Nobody likes that word. Patient in what? Affliction. That means it's still there. That means you're still dealing with it. That means it hasn't gone away yet. That means you're still processing what's happening to you. So he says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Don't quit praying. Keep praying. Keep believing God for miracles. But be joyful in hope, what you don't have yet. Be patient in affliction. Faithful in prayer. I just felt like that was for somebody today. That's for you to receive that that word from the Lord. Let him minister to you whatever season you're in. Whatever you're dealing with. Let his presence cover you as you're waiting, hoping, praying. Amen? Amen. A man and his wife were in bed one night. He noticed she'd bought a new book entitled, What 20 Million American Women Want. 
He, he grabbed the book out of her hand and started thumbing through the pages. His wife was a little annoyed. She said, hey, what do you think you're doing? He said, hey, I just want to see if they spelled my name right. Why does the Norwegian Navy put barcodes on ships? So when they return to port, they can Scandinavian. <laughs> A nod to Devin Golder. I don't know about you, but I get most of my exercise these days from shaking my head in disbelief. It's pretty amazing what's going on in the world. I mean, one minute you're young and fun, and the next you're turning down the car stereo to see better. Can I get a witness? As you heard and as you know, the Power Place exists to help you encounter the Lord's presence on a daily basis, to be empowered by His Spirit and His Word so that you can engage with your world. It's, it's vital. It's who we've been from the beginning, from day one. And if you don't know our culture and our core, core values and our vision, it's on a card. There's some back here at the ushers' table. There's some at the connection bar. I encourage you to pick one up. Uh, we're going to be going over these core values here for the next few weeks and just highlighting what we, we decided as we step into this new era that we need language that, that unites us, language that explains who we are and what we do. And so as Pastor Isaiah and Brittany spearheaded this, uh, we began to get everyone together on the same page and say, let's, let's put this down so that everyone can be united. Because a united vision is powerful. Amen. If we understand, and we're all moving in the same direction, it's, it's a powerful thing. So we've been looking at our core values, and last couple of weeks ago we talked about honor. Honor up, honor down, honor all around. We place the value of heaven on you because you bear the image of Christ. Then we talked about truth last week. Absolute truth equals complete freedom. We believe the Bible from cover to cover. The greatest counsel you will ever receive is from the Word of God and being in His presence daily. Just a couple of our core values. Today I want to I deal with stewardship. We like to say around here, don't be a stupid steward. Look at your neighbor and tell him that. Don't be a stupid steward. You can do better than that. Tell the other neighbor, don't be a stupid steward. I've been watching you lately. Don't be a stupid steward. So that's kind of harsh. I know, when, uh, when our kids grew up, we didn't allow them to say the word stupid. They actually called it the S word. 
they didn't know the other S word at that point, but uh, yeah. He said the S word. Oh, stupid. But it just makes sense. Uh, we manage heaven's resources for the Father's business. God has entrusted us with his resources, and so we manage them for his business. The heart's cry of a good steward is, it will never be mine, it will always be yours. The heart's cry of a good steward is, it will never be mine, it will always be yours. So we give him our time, our talent, our treasure, and our tongue. And we understand that everything we have has been given to us by God. Like it or not, everything we have has been given to us by God. And, and this is a true biblical worldview. This is an eternal understanding of absolute truth. Uh, check out 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 10. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying... Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. That's why you hear us say around here, there is a kingdom and there's only one king. And it's not you. It's not me. We don't want to be king of the kingdom because that's a heavy responsibility. Everything in heaven and the earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Verse 12. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything. Somebody say everything. Everything comes from you. And we have given you only what comes from your hand. And some of you are sitting there going, yeah, but I worked pretty hard for that money. I, I don't know. Who gave you the ability? Who allows you to breathe and function? I've, I've met many people whose ability has been taken away in an instant. It is the Lord who gives us the ability to gain wealth. And David got it. Everything comes from you. We have given you only what comes from your hand. Everything I have is yours. The heart's cry of a good steward is, it will never be mine. It will always be yours. Say that with me. It will never be mine. It will always be yours. Say it again. It will never be mine. It will always be yours. So how does a good steward handle the treasure that's been given to them by God? Well, there's some basics. You, you learn 
you learn how to make wise decisions. You don't spend more than you make. Nudge your neighbor and say, that's truth right there. That's truth. Credit cards are evil if you don't know how to use them. I'm telling you. Credit card debt will get you in big trouble. They'll give you money. Oh, yeah. Spend as much as you want. You don't have to feel it. No pain as you swipe the card, as you tap it, as you plug it in. It's all good until you get the bill. Until you've spent more than you make. And you don't know how to climb out of that. We're here to help you. We'll walk you through that if you need help. But you've got to get out of that kind of debt. That's, that's crazy stuff. You've got to quit spending more than you make. I know it's pretty. I know it bobbles. I know it shines. It sparkles. I know. I know the Joneses have one. Theirs is nicer than yours, and you've just got to have what they got. But no, 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 no. Basics. Little things. Spend less than you make. Put some back for a rainy day because it's going to rain. Prepare yourself. And then here's the big one. In Malachi chapter 3 verse 8. Oh, I know he's going to go there. <laughs> Talk about tithes and offerings. Yeah, because this is basic stuff. Will a man rob God, God says to his people? Will a man rob God? Now, there's a couple of people that aren't going to be in in heaven. Thieves are listed and liars. (laughs) Now, wait a minute. That's insulting to me. Oh, I pray it it insults you to the point of obedience. Because I'd rather you be in heaven having obeyed what God asked you to do than robbing God. God doesn't like robbers, I'm telling you. He hates thieves. He, He doesn't put up with it. And he's not letting you into heaven. Are you hearing me? You can't get into heaven being a thief. And a robber. You ain't going to be there. If that offends you, got two doors over here. Got one right there. Head on out if you'd like. This is a big deal to God. So, Pastor, why are you stepping on my toes? Because your toes need stepping on. Will a man rob God, yet you are robbing me? God says. But you say, how have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. The word tithe means tenth. So I say tenth. Ten percent. You know how to get to ten percent? You move the decimal over. (laughs) I know, this is basic stuff. 
Just move that decimal over, and then you've got the tenth. If, if I made $750, I move the decimal point over, and I tithe $75. Wow! Nobody ever told me that before. I'm here to help you today. Why is this such a big deal? Because God hates robbers. And some people say, well, I tithe in other ways. God hates liars. You're not going to be in heaven. In fact, he says in verse 9, you are cursed with a curse for you're robbing me. The whole nation of you. There's a curse that goes along with this. It's not just that you're disobeying God. It's not just that you're hoarding everything to yourself. He, He actually says there's a curse with this. And so he says in verse 10, here's the remedy. Here's the pill you can take. Here's the medication that works for that curse. Are you with me today? Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Bring. Notice he says bring. He doesn't say give the whole tithe because you don't give what's not yours. The tithe is the Lord's. If you don't bring the tithe, you're actually robbing God. Where are my tithers at today? I don't don't hear you. Because... This is a big deal. And so we bring the tithe into the storehouse, the place where there's food, the place where you're fed, the place where you, you take from. Now, I have a problem, and I'll just tell you this right up front. I have a problem with people who are only takers. If you receive and receive from this house, even those of you watching online, I don't know where you're at, over here or over here, somewhere you're looking at me. If you receive from the house, you are to give and to bring God's tithe and your offerings. Those who only take, you know them in the the animal realm as leeches. Tell your neighbor, don't be a leech. Don't be a blood-sucking leech. Amen. This is fun, isn't it? Have we robbed you in tithes and offerings? Not just the tenth, but offerings above the tenth. You're cursed with a curse for you're robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that There may be food in my house that the house can continue to function and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Another translation says, till you have no room to handle it. He said, I want to bless you to the point where you can't 
handle it all. You've got to give some away. You've got to have overflow so somebody else can be blessed. That's how God wants to bless you. He says, I will open, test me, test me. The only time in the Bible that God says, test me. That's it right there. Test me now in this. See if I will not open for you the windows of heaven, pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Verse 11, then I will rebuke the devourer for you. I was talking to, to Landon this week. He had to get new tires on, on his uh, van because he's never changed the tires. He didn't pass inspection this year. I said, how many miles do you have on those tires? 95,000. Come on. That was this week. I rode, we rode ours when we first started this church on that silver van. We rode those for 110,000 miles. Because we didn't have money. And I said, God, you, you got to rebuke the devourer. You got to keep, keep the stuff from, from going away. Just keep these tires rolling. And he did. And it was miraculous. Says I'll rebuke the devourer for you. You don't even have to go out and rebuke the devourer. He's doing it for you. What an awesome God. Now, I've always told you the fence is there for your protection. It's not because so he, he's a bad, mean, stays at the fence. Do this or you're in trouble. No, he says, if you'll just do this, I said it last week, just like Adam and Eve. If you'll just do this, you're blessed forever. As soon as you mix it up and decide, I know better than God does, you find yourself in all kinds of trouble. Some of you are, are drowning in financial trouble because you won't obey God. And you won't get on a budget. Man, it's quiet in here. <laughs> Online people, they're going, yes, yes, preach it, pastor. <laughs> I'll rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes, nor will your tires run out. Until it's time, says the Lord of hosts. And all the nations will call you blessed. You shall be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. He says, I want to bless you to the point where you can be generous. Some of you want to be generous, but you can't because of the financial decisions you've made. Some of you can't be generous because you've decided not to bring the tithe and offerings to the storehouse. But God wants you to be generous. And there are times where your generosity, you need to feel it. It needs to hurt. Are you with me? You need to... You need to Say, I'm giving above what I really want to give because I know it's what God wants me to do. 
And as I do that, I find myself immensely blessed. I, I can't tell you how many times God has spoken to us and said, give this amount. And we're like, ah, wow, ee, that hurts. That amount hurts. I mean, we could have given this because we got that. But you're asking for this, and that's painful. Look what David said. There was a plague in the land. That day Gad came to David, 2 Samuel 24, 18. He said to him, go up and build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aaron of the Jebusite. So David went up to, the, what the, to do what the Lord had commanded him. David went up to do what the Lord had commanded him. Somebody needs to get that in your spirit. David went up to do what the Lord commanded him. And when Arana saw the king and his men coming toward him, he came and bowed before the king with his face to the ground. Why have you come, my lord, the king, Arana asked. David replied, I've come to buy your threshing floor and to build an altar to the Lord there so that he will stop the plague. Take it, my lord, the king. Use it as you wish, Arana said to David. Here are the oxen for the burnt offering. You can use the threshing boards and ox yokes for wood to build a fire on the altar. I'll give it all to you, your majesty. And may the Lord your God accept your sacrifice. But the king replied to Arana, No, I insist on buying it, for I will not present burnt offerings to the Lord my God that have cost me nothing. I want to feel it. It has to cost me something. In order for it to make a difference. So David paid him 50 pieces of silver for the threshing floor. And David and the oxen. David built an altar there to the Lord. And sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings. And the Lord answered his prayer for the land. And the plague on Israel was stopped. Stewardship is costly. But it's well worth the investment. Because a lack of stewardship will cost you more. And you won't be happy about that. Matthew 6, 19, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your heart always follows your treasure. Wherever you invest, your heart's there. Went to Costco yesterday. I know, Saturday, not a good choice. Place was packed. Every line was open except one. And when we brought all three of our carts out, that's right, we had a little help there, but we had three carts, then everyone decided let's eat here because it's cheap to eat here. We ate lunch for $12, okay? Come on, somebody. You can't get that at Taco Bell. So, park the carts, everybody goes to order their food. I've got treasure in those cards. I'm watching. People start walking by. I'm like, hey, 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 my stuff. 
we start to eat and somebody starts pilfering through our stuff. I get up, I go, whoa, 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 whoa. I said, hey, that's our stuff. They said, oh, we have to open this line. We're just trying to figure out whose stuff it was. So we had to move it again. But I'm telling you, wherever your treasure is, your heart's there. You're, you're watching it. Some of you, you check your bank account a thousand times a day to see if anybody's gotten in there and taken some of your stuff. Huh? You know I'm talking to you. Some of you got stock. That you you got to get on there every hour of every day, every minute, and check what's going on. Am I going up? Am I going down? Because <coughs> where your treasure is, where you've planted your treasure, that's where your heart is. That's where your attention is. That's what draws you in. Jesus said, you need to plant that treasure in heaven by bringing the tithe and offerings. Plant the treasure in heaven. You don't have to worry about it. And that's where your heart's going to be. I don't know about you, but I got a bunch of treasure in heaven. And so my heart is continually there. I'm focused on there. I'm focused on eternity. Not so concerned about the things down here. Your heart follows your treasure, and that's why being a good steward of the treasure God's blessed you with is such a big deal. Jesus gives us a glimpse into what a steward should and shouldn't look like. Matthew 25, you all know this scripture, verse 14. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip, called together his servants, and entrusted his money to them. So what the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated like this. That's what Jesus said. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. The master went on a long trip, called the servants together, entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. He said, well, I don't have what he has. I know, you can't handle it. You don't have the ability. I might as well step on everyone's toes today. I just, I feel good about this. I feel like stomping. I need bigger boots. Right? No, seriously. He entrusted them according to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money after a long time, their master returned from his trip. And he's coming back, i just tell you that. He's returning from his trip. And he called them to give an account of how they had used his money. So it's mine. No, the cry of a good steward is it will never be mine. It's always yours. 
I'm just managing what you've blessed me with. That's a biblical worldview. Am I managing well what God has blessed me with? Whether it's time, talent, treasure, or tongue. After a long time, their master returned from his trip, called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest. I've earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. That's what everybody wants in their life. As soon as the master comes and says, well done, good job. Let's celebrate. Let's have a party. You did well. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I've earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant gathering crops you didn't cultivate and I was afraid I would lose your money so I hid it in the earth look here's your money back the master replied you wicked and lazy servant that's why we say don't be a stupid steward You wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant, gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant, give it to the one with the ten bags of silver, to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing... Even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw the useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Pastor, that's heavy. I know, I didn't say it, Jesus did. Don't blame me. Don't shoot the messenger. This is Jesus. He's not messing around. He's given you stuff. And he expects you to use it wisely. He expects you to invest it. He expects you to do something with what you've been given. So what's a stupid steward look like? That guy right there. He assumed he knew what the master wanted without ever asking him or inquiring. He created God in his own image. Well, 
I knew that you're, you're like that, and so I just did what I wanted to do. I told you last week, you, you can't create God in your own image. It's not going to work for eternity. You can do that down here. But when it comes down to him coming back and saying, what would you do with what I gave you? He's not going to be in your image. He's the king. He's the judge. He's the ruler of all. Stupid stewards assume they know what the master wants without ever asking or inquiring. Secondly, they're full of fear. So I was afraid. Full of fear so they do nothing with what they've been given. In fact, they go beyond that to actually hiding what they've been blessed with. So there's no return on the master's investment. So the master said to those who use well what they're given, even more will be given. And that's why we say we manage heaven's resources for the father's business. It will never be mine. It will always be yours. Romans chapter 11, verse 29 says, For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. God's given you stuff, and, and he's not taking it back, but he wants to see what he's going to do with what you've been given. You've been blessed with time, talent, treasure, and the tongue. And you've got to steward them all well. Tell your neighbor, don't be a stupid steward. Don't be a stupid steward. The Apostle Paul encourages us in this area of our treasure. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Remember this, he says. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. Now that sounds like, well, duh. Some of us don't realize that. We think the least I can do is what I'm going to do. Just the least. Just enough to get by. Well, if you're a farmer, you got to know better than that. If you understand the law of sowing and reaping, you've got to know better than that. You don't want a small harvest. So a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. How many want a generous crop? Anybody want a generous crop? I think somebody wants a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. How much? How much are you going to give? You've got to decide that. Nobody decides that for you. God tells you what the minimum is, but you decide on top of that, what am I going to do? How generous do I want my crop to be? A farmer who eats all his own seed never has a harvest. If you're eating all your own seed, if you're consuming it all, you're not going to have a harvest. You got to invest some, you got to plant some in the kingdom of God. You must each decide in your own heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or response to pressure. If you give today because of response to pressure, that's, that's not right either. 
He goes on to say, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. I always used to hear, well, God, God loves a cheerful giver, but he'll take it from a grouch as well. Whatever. Don't be grouchy. Let your heart be changed to the point where you want to be a generous giver. Amen? A blessed steward. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Verse 8. And God will generously provide all you need. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely, give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. That's, that's your blessing in heaven. It's coming. It's coming. Hallelujah. Don't lose sight of this. Verse 10. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer. It all comes from him. Right? Everything is, is the Lord's. God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two things, two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God for your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. And they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given to you. Thank God for this gift too wonderful for words. Ah. Just another reminder, Psalm 24, 1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it world and all his people belong to him. You can have it all. It all belongs to you. You can have it all. It all belongs to you. It will never be mine. It will always be yours. It will never be mine. It will always be yours. Yeah, that's the heart cry of a good steward. So the Apostle Paul reminds us, worship team, you can come. Romans chapter 14, verse 11. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, most everybody shall bow to me. Oh, for it is written, as I live, says the Lord. Well, who's that mean? Everybody. Every knee shall bow to me. And every tongue shall give praise to God. So, then, verse 12, so then, 
Each one of us will give an account of himself to God. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. That can be the most frightening moment in your existence. Or, if you've been a wise steward, you can look forward to that day. Because it's coming. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that he is Lord. And all of us, every single, everybody is going to have a one-on-one with the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords, the God of creation. The NLT says, yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. Each of us will give a personal account to God. You're not going to be standing there with grandma who took care of you all those years, carried your faith. Each one of us will give a personal account to God. So don't be a stupid steward. We manage heaven's resources for the Father's business. And we will give a personal account to God. The heart's cry of a good steward is it will never be mine, it will always be yours. So we give him our time, our talent, our treasure, and our tongue. Let me ask you a couple questions today as we close. What are you spending your time doing? It's personal for you. What what are you spending your time doing? Is it all temporary? Or are you investing in eternal stuff? Is it benefiting the kingdom of God or is it just wasted time? Will it last for eternity? Are you wasting hours in meaningless meandering, social media scrolling, binge watching, gaming? I I don't know. I don't know what it is for you. But you need to realize you need to be a good steward of your time. How are you stewarding your talent? Are you using your gifting for the kingdom? Is what you do blessing the kingdom of God so there's eternal reward? Or is it just temporary stuff? How about the treasure God's blessed you with? Are you tithing? Are you bringing offerings? Or are you robbing God? Are you investing in eternal things or is everything going to end up a rust bucket or eaten by moths or being stolen by thieves? 
How about your tongue? Are the words you're speaking bringing life or death? Are they building up or tearing down? Are you using gossip and slander and backbiting and offensive language, etc., etc.? Am I offering to the Lord a sacrifice of praise? Am I stewarding my tongue to where it is a instrument, an instrument of praise? A sacrifice, the fruit of my lips giving thanks to his holy name. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 15 says, Through him then let us continually, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. Why do you always talk about that here? Because it's important, it's important, it's important. Get that tongue under, under control by the power of the Holy Spirit and by your conscious choice. I will give a sacrifice of praise to the Lord. The fruit of my lips giving thanks to his name. Stand with me, please. Thanks for checking out the PowerPlace audio podcast. If you want more resources for your walk with the Lord, you can visit us online at www.thepowerplace.org. You can check us out on YouTube and Facebook at The PowerPlace Church if you want to watch the service online. And if you want to give, you can text any amount to 84321 or visit the church website.